Hello, hello. Welcome to Series 2 of Satisfied. The Series 2 podcasts relate to the Live Out His Love and Satisfied by His Love Bible studies. I'm Melanie Newton, just an ordinary woman who loves the Lord and His Word. I'm so glad you've joined me for this series of podcasts. Together, we will experience how Jesus satisfies our hearts with many good things that come from the goodness of His love. Today, we will look at how Jesus satisfies your heart with compassion. Our New Testament example is the widow of Nain. Her story is in Lesson 6 of Live Out His Love and Lesson 1 of Satisfied by His Love. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus met a widow whose only son died. Let's call her Nancy, so she will seem like a real person rather than words on a page. She'll be in heaven, so one day I'll find out her real name. (laughs) Until then, she's Nancy. Jesus knew and felt Nancy's deep hurt and fear about what would happen to her. He acted with compassion on her behalf and gave her son back to her. As Psalm 103 verse 4 teaches, Nancy was crowned with love and compassion. To be crowned with compassion means to be surrounded with it so that you have a sense of God's favor and protection. Nancy surely must have felt God's favor and protection that day. Others did too because they shared the good news for miles around, praising God for His favor. A satisfied heart senses God's favor and compassion and willingly extends compassion to others from their gratefulness. Often that requires sharing God's provision of financial resources. Jesus told his followers, don't let your needs dominate your thoughts. Your heavenly Father knows your needs. He cares for the creatures in the natural world so they lack nothing. He will care for you. Give yourself to the Lord first. Pursue God's purposes more than your own purposes. Think differently about God's provision for you. I think 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is the most amazing illustration of what Jesus taught. Paul was writing to the Christians living in southern Greece, discussing the offering that had been collected by the Christians in northern Greece that they were going to give to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem to help them through a very tough time. Paul says this in verse 2, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I'm going to repeat that. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That is radical. Extreme poverty giving generously with overflowing joy? Those early Christians are an example to all believers, including you and me, of the dynamic difference that God's grace can make in the mindset of His people when it comes to provision. Gratefully receiving and generously giving, both of those, come from the overflowing joy of knowing Jesus Christ and what He's doing in our lives. Whether you are the receiver or the giver, how you do both should be different than what the world does. 
Genuine compassion is a reflection of that overflowing joy. And the key principle is this. God's riches to us are supplied through us to meet another's needs through compassion. Here are five things we need to know about compassion. Number one, compassion is not feeling, it's doing. When you hear the word compassion, what comes to mind? Maybe it's feeling sorry for someone, having sympathy for them. But compassion is not just feeling empathy for someone who is hurting. It's doing something to ease her pain. Whether it's for this week or longer, compassion remembers that most times of need last longer than a day. In the Old Testament, God's plan for the needy in Israel was that perfectly good food was purposely left in the fields for the poor to have. It was proactive, thinking ahead. Compassion leads to considering the needy as you go about your daily work. Compassion is not feeling, it is doing. Number two, compassion requires trusting God, not having plenty. Now this is totally opposite of the world's thinking, isn't it? If you think about it, there is a fine line between good stewardship and stinginess. We should be good stewards of the provisions God's given today. For example, staying within a budget, but not trusting God as provider enough to share what we have can lead to stinginess. Those Macedonian believers were begging to give more to the needs of others, not because it was expected, but because they were aligned with the purposes of God, and that was to grow the church of God. R.G. Letourneau created the first massive caterpillar earth-moving machines. He was very wealthy, but he considered that God owned everything he had, and he gave 90% of his income away. He often recited this poem, It is not what you do with a million, if riches should ever be your lot, but what you are doing at present with the dollar and a quarter you've got. Isn't that true? I've dreamed of winning a lottery so I can give to God's kingdom purposes. Or I've said, God, if you make us rich somehow, I'll show how to use it for kingdom purposes. Well, after we fix up the house, pay off all our debts and get new cars, after that, what's left is yours. If I don't consider what he's already given me to be for kingdom purposes, it's not going to happen with more, is it? Compassion requires trusting God, not having plenty. Number three, compassion gives off the top, not leftovers. The usual procedure for helping the needy is to have your garage sale, then call the local charity to pick up the leftovers. Sounds like you're doing a good work, doesn't it? but not in God's economy. That's worldly thinking. That's not overflowing joy welling up in rich generosity. Our family has had times of plenty and times of need off and on over the years. We were in Christian ministry for a number of years. On several occasions, we received bags of groceries. Most of it was terrific, usable stuff. We got excited about it. But there was one bag with a box mix full of weevils and a bunch of rusted cans. 
Someone had just gotten rid of food that had been sitting on her shelf for years. We've also gratefully received bags of clothes. I remember one bag of very nice things, some with tags still on them. We were able to use most of that gift, but someone else's gift was garage sale leftovers, things no one else wanted, clothes that were torn, stained, and with broken zippers. That increases the pain of someone needy. It's not compassion. I hurt for the givers of the junk. My heart says, Lord, have they never known your goodness? How could they if that's what welled out of their hearts? We deserved nothing, and I'm not trying to be critical, but what you give reveals your heart. So give good stuff before having a garage sale, unless you are desperate for the money yourself. If possible, give your proceeds to the needy family. Throw out the stained and worn things from your donations. When you clean out your closets or change furniture, think about giving it to someone who can't go shopping for those things. Give the best you have to give. Make it easy for her to use it. Compassion gives off the top, not leftovers. Number four, compassion is personal. It's easy to write a check and send to some organization. That's a good thing to do. It's harder to deliberately and delightfully meet the specific needs of a person with a name and a face you know. We in America think that the government helps the needy or church benevolence will take care of it. Yet we lose the personal touch and blessing that comes from that overflowing joy welling up in rich generosity to a specific person. About 20 years ago, in the midst of a lean time for us, a van drove into my driveway the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I kept wondering how I would buy the fixings for a Thanksgiving dinner for my family of five. But God had called upon one of his ravens as he did for Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. When my raven shopped that day, she had two baskets, one for her family, one for the Newton family. Everything she bought for her family for Thanksgiving, she bought for us, including all the staples to make everything we would need. I was floored. I'll never forget that. Compassion is personal. Number five, compassion is proactive about living without so you can give more. Remember what I told you about those Christians who lived in northern Greece? Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They were already poor. To give meant they were willing to live on less so the church would strengthen and grow. Here's the challenge to all of us, including me. Let's ask God to help us determine something we can live without for a period of time. Your choice, no one's looking. Take the money you would have spent on that and look for ways to give it. Compassion is proactive about living without so you can give more. Jesus's heart went out to this grieving widow I call Nancy. Isn't it comforting to know that when you are in pain, God's heart goes out to you? He feels your pain. He cares for you. He comforts you. 
He acts on your behalf. He is not a cold, distant, helpless deity, but is a loving, compassionate God. Jesus personally invites you to bring your deepest longings, heartaches, and anxieties to him today, just as men and women did in the ancient past. He wants to satisfy your heart needs. Dear listener, our God created us with a spiritual thirst to know him. Another human cannot satisfy that thirst. Only God can. Jesus Christ satisfies our thirst for compassion when we need it. As the Bible promises, he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. A satisfied heart senses God's favor and compassion. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with the goodness of his love. Then live out that love. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton hoping you will join me in being satisfied by his love.